Reclaiming Identity, sharing stories of struggle, pride, and redemption in reconnecting with our heritage. Hi, I'm Drora. And I'm Dahlia. And we're bringing you Reclaiming Identity as part of the ASF Institute of Jewish Experience. Do you feel a part of the Jewish story? Is your family what pops up when people think of Jews? At Reclaiming Identity, we celebrate and explore the greater Jewish experience. We encourage you to tell your story and take pride in your heritage as it is a part of your identity. Listen to other people's stories, ask questions, be curious, and reclaim your identity. Today at the American Sephardi Federation Institute of Jewish Experience, we have the pleasure and honor of welcoming Shiri Sher and her mother, Geula Vardi. They'll be speaking to each other in a conversation, sharing their insights and their pain, as well as their pride in their Yemenite heritage as proud Yemenite Americans. Shiri Sher is the mother of five and has been in the field of education for over 20 years. Her journey into spirituality began while developing and implementing programs for youth at risk who challenged her with existential questions about life. These same existential questions then were asked by her own children, and that led her to creating a series of books for young children that explore these concepts. Geula herself is an educator as well. She's taught in several schools across America, and she also opened her own art studio and began teaching art classes and workshops. Her personal artwork has been presented to the White House and her drawings have also been presented as a gesture of peace to the Foreign Minister of Yemen at the United Nations. Her art has been featured in several universities and institutions, including Hofstra University and Queens College. In addition, her illustrations are found in her daughter Shiri Shera's books. She has personally worked with famed Israeli singer Ofra Chaza, designing her performance outfits and created some artwork inspired by the artist's music. Several students trained in her very own art studio have moved on to win awards in local art competitions. These two proud, strong women now share their stories. Hello. Hello, my name is Shiri Sher. This is my mother, Gula Vardi. Hello. We're so honored to be able to be part of this amazing program, Claiming Identities, and we've decided to interview one another and share our stories. And we're going to begin with my mother. Would you please introduce yourself, tell us your name, where you live, your family, and your profession. My name is Geula Vardi. I live in Fairlawn, New Jersey. I was born in Tel Aviv, in Israel, in a small community. I came from a family of seven girls and one boy. My family came from Yemen. I'm an artist, I'm an instructor, and I'm also running a show about the Yemenite culture. Where were you born and where is your family? I was born in Tel Aviv, in Israel, at home. And my family walked for a year barefoot all the way from the north part of Yemen, from a town called Yarim, until the destination in Aden. There was a program to excel the Jewish people from Yemen to Israel. And when you were young, were you told stories um, about the old country? Yes, I uh, actually was fascinated by the story about Yemen and from Yemen. At these days, there was no books, there was no TV, there was no program. So the only things we have is the story and the nature and 
it actually helped me very much to be uh, extremely creative and very original because I had to make my own out of leaves and in flower and roots. And my mother actually was telling me such story about the way she had her lifestyle in Yemen, which is extremely different than the way we lived in Israel. My mom actually brought the whole culture into the center of Tel Aviv. Actually, we lived in a place where Kikam Dina is the most uh, prestige community, but my mom had her own taboon that she make her own and she make her own bread for the family. She insists to continue her culture, even though we all convert to the Israeli culture, she still remain and insist to uh, stay with the, her own tradition. Even though when I used to walk in the kibbutz, to the Chadar Ochel, she would uh, walk with a scarf around her head. And I said, Mom, can I give you a hat? Maybe something else? And she said, no, my darling, you stay with your uh, exposed to the new culture, but I will stay the way I am. I don't have any the, uh, energy to come on her. I, I cannot change this age, but I'm impressed of the way your uh, the country is actually progress. Um, what unique customs or language accommodations did you have when you were growing up? The most impact that I have on custom was the uh, wedding, uh, the tradition of wedding, uh, where my mother used to take me to the a most uh, condensed community like Rosh Ha'ayim or Petah Tikva and all those places. There were lots of Yemenite and they were living one next to another. So I used to go for seven days to stay in the family, sleeping in a corner or somewhere. But we celebrate seven days of the wedding and there was no catering. People was actually uh, contributing to the wedding. Everybody will bring like mounting of melawa, salufa, all kind of stuff. And everybody was very happy and very giving. And we, they live simple, but so happy and so excited. So that is something that I took from there. In the community that you grew up, were most of the Jews from from a similar background? And what was the, the majority Jewish narrative? Yes, we live in a small uh, community in Tel Aviv, but uh, were, Yemen, most, were most of the people there Yemenite? Or? Actually, there was all kinds of different cultures, different background, different uh, adults. People came from different uh, countries. And everybody has their own uh, tradition, and we have a small synagogue, size of one small room, mm -hmm. uh, which the men only could enter there. The women always stayed out, keeping the children quiet. But uh, I would never forget the loud, loud singing of the men and the women will stay also outside. But there was a hush, everybody. Quiet! Hillel! Now they're calling Hillel. You know, they were all very excited of everything that happened inside the synagogue. Even though my mother never wrote Hebrew, but she knew everything by heart. And when she walked all the way from Yemen, she said in her video that she, uh, tape that she left for us, she said, she mumbled the sentence, even though I walk in the valley of death, I never, I knew God is with me. 
She walked between lion and monkey in the Valley of Death. I even went to, the, to Google search and I wanted to know where is Valley of Death? Where is she walking? I even tried to trace the way she walked all the way there. So your family has a recording of Safta and she tells the story of how she went from Yemen. She had to escape and she went from Yemen and how she was able to escape. She, she recorded at the end of her life. Yes, she knew that she had to leave something even though we were rushing into be a modern a society. We went to learn so many things of the world, the technology, but she remained in her place. She wanted us to actually remember that time that she came from and she left the tape recorder saying the whole story how she actually escaped barefoot with four little kids trusting Hashem and every day people were coming she would, would run away um, in the end of the field and people knew because she was a, a daughter of very very important rabbi holistic rabbi so people knew the daughter of rabbi vadia was running even though they were arab and jewish they came to the field to bring her something to eat and every shabbat she spent time with with family knowing that hashem is providing her hashem is the one wherever she slept wherever she stayed she knew she had the power of god who is going to uh, direct her and she did it she went and it's a very, very hilly mountain, and it's like a, a path of donkey. People cannot drive, there's no car out there. Uh, her brother was trying to, he knew that she's coming all the way with a little kid. He came with a car to, uh, to take her. She saw for the first time a car in her life. She ran back to the mountain. So that's how a uh, different culture that she came from and she was very strong. She came to Aden. She refused to go on the plane. She took a boat, she bought a boat and took the boat all the way to Egypt. And from there she, she came to Israel. Even though all the Jewish people were uh, excelled to Israel by airplane, my mother took a boat and she even said she had a fire on the boat. Nothing stopped my mother for her destination. And that's what we took out of her. I took, my kid took, my grandchildren. I see some spark of that. To be a courage and to go for your goal. Don't stop, you know? My children often tell stories about, that, that Safta tells her about, about uh, their Safta's mother. So yeah. it's very, very much a part of their, their childhood. Do you feel connected to the majority Jewish narrative? And can you elaborate? We all unity of uh, Jewish people that are very separate from other culture. We are small amount of people around the world. Every culture have their own surrounding and every culture, every background of Jewish have the need to hide their identity and keep the culture so um, strongly and every one of them were in a motive of going to Israel. That's the dream. I hear from so many friends, so many stories, how they left everything. Actually, they, I just recently learned that the Arab culture is actually 
preventing Jewish people who live, not even Jewish, everyone who is leaving their country out somewhere else, they have to leave all, all what they have, property, house, agriculture, everything, just the, their belonging. So that was the common denominator between me and all the Jewish people. In the, the Sephardic uh, Jewish um, background, Jewish were not allowed to uh, capture books and history and uh, culture, as, especially as they left the, uh, their Arab uh, country. They were, they were left with uh, not much to uh, expose and not much of history beside a story to tell. I felt a need to actually find more story. There's so much to tell. There's so much uh, word spread around from everyone. Uh, and that's how I decided to capture that story by uh, creating artwork to vision what really was the, the tradition of the Yemenite culture. And I believe that we need to actually reward this background for every Sephardic Jewish, because yes, there is a lot of story from the Ashkenazi Jewish people, which I love to hear and very touch. But uh, on the other hand, we need to show and tell the story of every culture to make it more rich for our generation to come. So on that, I took my uh, priority to create art, to expose a show, telling the story. Whatever uh, left for my mother, I actually kept it so precious and I display everything that she, her culture was about and shows people how they live. And I saw in my show, people were fascinated. They were like shocked. They were sh they they were surprised. Where are you coming from? We never heard those stories, you know. So I encourage everybody to go back to your roots and give respect to them because they uh, came up from very rough time also, and uh, they need to be, they, they, their story need to be told. What made you feel different, and what made you feel the same with regard to the? Um, the different uh, Jewish narratives. What did you feel was different? What did you feel was the same? Well, I love the idea of a synagogue and uh, going to shul in America, but all along I felt that I'm outsider, that it doesn't talk to me. The, the dressing, the hat, the, the, the wig, I was like very rough when people were trying to convince me to, when, to wear a wig and to dress like uh, um, the tradition Jewish people. For me, it was nothing to do with what you wear. It's what you are, what your soul, what your meaning. When you go to shul, it's you and God there, uh, intimate, and you are communicated with God. It doesn't matter what you wear and if you have a, sh a shaitel or whatever you have, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's, it's you. The soul and the spirit is the one and only matter. So I felt left alone. And then I um, decided that I'm going to take the people who are left alone, as many of them, into my house. I host people that 
were not that you know important but inside they were really such a beautiful spirit and i felt fantastic because then i was actually running the show because and teaching them and everybody came out of my house feeling so good everyone discovered the spiritual world is the place where god wants us to be what was the impact on your life choices my life changed gradually actually i shade all the things that are not important material uh, being connected to those people and not i used to be like very exposed to the media artists when i used to have singing evening i had about 100 people coming to my house promote the art and uh, music and singing it was beautiful but i felt that it was more kind of uh, exposed to really I could not find the, the uh, spiritual there. I was actually a writer of poetry as in a young age, and uh, I couldn't find connection to the upscale, offensive world. Although I study and I love to, to learn much, but I, I hate when it comes to uh, look down on people. I'm very sensitive on this. I would go to every person who in need. I'll feel grateful that I'm able to, to do something for somebody who in need. I would never turn my back to somebody. So that is the message I really want to share with my family and friends and people so they know we should be a center of God. And was there a point that you decided to claim your heritage and what, what triggered that? I, uh, I was running the show for a couple of years in so many different places, in Jewish center, in public school, in community. Everybody was very, very touched by this because it's, it's very unusual. And what, what kind of show about the about Yemenite, Yemenite culture? Yeah, Yemenite culture, actually, it was a program that divided to 15 minutes apart from one program to another. At first, they see the whole display. Then I talked to them about the way my mother runs and uh, the whole uh, story, very, very fascinating story. And then I showed them how to dress like Yemenite and dance like Yemenite. And then I showed them how to make Yemenite melawach. They love it. And then in the kitchen, I left uh, the melawach ready that I made already and they would celebrate. And, and I got so many respond and letter from family saying, my kid does not stop talking about your Malawa. Please mm -hmm. tell me how to do that. It was like a storm, you know? Suddenly, it's the part that I was not happy with. I went to member of my synagogue. They told me he's the head of the federation. I should address him with my program. So I did. And he told me that I need to fix my resume here and there. Doesn't matter that I actually have degree in computer animation, graphic design, and web developing, and I learned how to do the resume. So I I corrected, and I and I was planning that he would actually put my program on a, the program for public for the Jewish school for the Jewish community as their request. And one day. One of the principals that used to invite me as a bar mitzvah for her children, she calls me and she said, how come I don't see you in the program? I said, I don't know. 
And that's actually like my uh, ball. And when I came to the show that she insisted I would come, at the end, I saw that person for my shul. I'm not going to mention his name, eating my malawach in the back, but actually he was not even saying hello to me. And like I saw his discrimination in his face. I saw he felt offended that I'm coming with a program that are not a Jewish Ashkenazi culture. And there is many of them, people who feel offended if the Yemenite culture or any Sephardi culture will come. That's something I don't understand. I think our society need to correct it and come up to, to united all culture together. My kid is half Ashkenaz. There's many of them. We should actually teach the way we should appreciate everyone who come from every different culture. Like in the public school here, there is a day with, when people come with all kinds of uh, uh, food of their background. And I don't see this in Israel. Maybe it, it happens, but we need to put more emphasis on exposing the background especially lift up the, the background of the Sephardic and their beautiful, beautiful uh, cultural music, whatever. Just let them be, you know? And if there's something that you want to tell the future generations um, about their heritage, what would it be? I would tell them, you know, take away the material. It means nothing. Just concentrate on the depth, on the meaning, on nature. God give us such a beautiful world. We don't need any material to comfort that. The, the, the good is in the inside of, of us and we should learn to, to live within, you know, and be grateful for every moment we are existing. Thank you so much, Ima, for sharing your story. I, I love hearing it every <laughs> single time. And if you'd like to see um, some beautiful artwork that conveys Yemenite culture, um, you can reach out to my mother um, through her email at geula.vardi at gmail.com. And she also has her, web, her artwork featured on a website called worldofart.wixsite.com. So you can check that out. It's my pleasure to introduce uh, Shirisha, my special daughter. I live in Fairland, New Jersey with my mother. And uh, I live with my husband and five children, uh, five very rambunctious children. We've been in the community now for almost eight years. And um, I am, I've been an educator for over 20 years. Uh, I worked specifically with uh, youth at risk. We were developing, my husband and I would develop programs for them. We even ran a program in Israel. Um, and uh, recently I started writing children's stories and I now actually have five books available on Amazon, uh, children's stories that, uh, that specifically deal with spirituality, how to teach spirituality to children. So proud of you. And now let's go back a bit where you were born and where is your family from? I was uh, born in Israel. Um, but I left when I was very young. Um, I was about four years old and then we moved to America and I basically grew up in America. I don't really remember much about Israel, but I was always surrounded by Israeli culture. When you were young, were your told story 
of the old country. Of the old country. Yes, I was told many stories about the old country, and I think that that left a huge impact on me. Uh, my mother uh, very often shared stories about my grandmother's journey to Yemen. Um, I heard about her um, incredibly difficult journey. Um, I also heard many stories about my great grandfather, who was a Mikubao or mystic. Just unbelievable stories, and I just remember um, them having such an such an impression on me, filling my imagination. I felt that they really shaped who I became later. What unique costume or language accommodation do you have growing up? So we we didn't grow up religious, um, but I always had a sense of our culture and our tradition. I know that even when we didn't. Even though we didn't celebrate, even though we weren't religious, we would always celebrate Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. My mother would take us to the Yemenite shul in in uh, Manhattan, um, and I just remember um, hearing that, hearing the chants that you spoke about before. Just uh, the approach to prayer was very different. It was very united, and there was a lot of chanting together and singing together. Um, I remember. Many of our favorite foods, jachnun, melawa. We would grow up with um, with these Taimani, um traditional foods. I remember bringing my friends over to the house and then being like, "What is this bread? We don't understand." And being able to share that uh, these unique uh, delicacies with with my friends who you know, had never heard of these types of foods. Okay. I didn't really have language accommodations. Um, I do think sometimes language was a little bit of a, of a barrier for us, you know, because I would speak in English and my parents would speak in Hebrew. So we had to kind of speak two different languages. <laughs> sometimes that would, that would create, you know, uh, miscommunications, but we found a way to communicate. Yes, with love. In the community in which you grew up, Were most of the Jewish from similar background to you? When I was growing up, I didn't really notice much of a difference um, because we weren't religious. So I don't think it was as important. But once I chose to become religious, you know, towards the end of high school, I started to become interested in becoming more observant. And um, when I became more observant, then it became very clear that there was You know the Ashkenazi tradition and the Sephardic tradition, and that's when I definitely started to feel that um, there there was a big difference between the two. Um, in the beginning, I mainly adopted Ashkenazi culture. It was only later that I realized that something might have been missing for me. But in the beginning, I was just you know exploring that uh, that those customs. Did you feel connected to the majority Jewish narrative? I would say that. In the beginning, as I started to explore Judaism and become more observant, um, I found Ashkenazi culture mainly. That was that was the majority narrative. But I definitely would say that I felt that something was missing, and I and I couldn't put my finger on what was missing. I think that led me to a lot of exploration of trying to figure that out, and ultimately it ended up leading me back to to my roots and to my traditional, actual background. What? made you feel different? What made you feel the same? So I think that what made, what made me feel different was, this was the missing link for me, which was um, spirituality. Uh, even though I felt like in the majority 
practice. Uh, there were a lot of, you know, routines and certain traditions. There was that the spark of spirituality was, was missing. And eventually, I, as I was working with, uh, with teens at risk who also, they, were, they had grown up religious, but they felt something was missing. And they were asking a lot of questions. And then when I was raising my own children and they were asking their questions, um, it really forced me to define that difference. And I realized that the difference was the spirituality, that there was not enough spiritual language in the majority Jewish narrative, in, in the Ashkenazi approach. And I really felt that lack. And as soon as I was able to recognize that, that's when I started to write my stories, my children's stories that were based on my children's questions, like what's in the Shema? What is a soul? What does that even mean? Why, why do we say Modiani every day? Um, what does it mean that the soul leaves our body and comes back? And once I was able to, to put the spirituality piece back, I felt more whole and I felt um, that my practice, my observance was more connected. And, um, and it came from being able to integrate, you know, both the Ashkenazi tradition and the Sephardic to add the piece that I felt was missing. What was the impact on your life choice, confidence and hope? I think that it had a huge impact on me. Um, I think that right now, as I'm working and writing these children's stories and spirituality, I understand just how important that component is and that it's not really sp spoken about very much in, um, in the traditional mainstream approach to Judaism. The, the journey to discovering that, I think, really helped me feel more complete and more whole, um, helped address what I felt was missing. It's just, it's been this, just an incredible journey to be able to sort of connect the dots um, by coming back to my roots um, and realizing that stories that I had heard from my mother, from my grandmother, um, about uh, my, my grandfather being a mystic. I remember some of the stories of him, you know, that, that the Arabs would line up at his door um, when there was a drought. Even the Arabs recognized that his prayers were very powerful. I just, I remember stories of, you know, my grandmother and her faith and how traveling to Yemen, that traveling her, her very dangerous journey, that the only thing that basically carried her was her faith and her connection to, to God. That these things in the beginning that I might not have recognized, you know, left such an impact on me when I, when I finally reconnect, reconnected that missing piece, the spirituality, I realized just how important my roots were. Was there a point that you decided to claim your heritage? So I would say that it's, I think the biggest impact was, was when I had my children and when they were a little bit older and they started to ask you know, really important questions like what's our life purpose and what are we doing here? And you know, what is, why are we, why are we religious? And all these very, very fundamental questions um, that forced me to sort of find an answer that was satisfying. And that's actually how I started to, um, to write the stories, the children's stories. One of them actually was uh, a story that uh, was illustrated by my mother. It's called um, The King's Secret Mission. And it's a story about the prayer, Modadi. That was probably the point where, that I think was really transitional for me, transformational as well. That I was able to give an answer to my children about this tefillah, 
why do we say that our soul leaves us? Why are we saying thank you to Hashem? And um, being able to give my children an answer that they can hear and knowing that it's connected to uh, my roots because I, I do believe that Yemenite and Sephardi culture has a lot more spiritual richness to it and spiritual language and much more connection to the soul. And that element, I was able to use that as a resource to to answer the questions um, that my children were asking. And I think that that not only helped my children, but then eventually to be able to share those stories with other children and help you know other people being able to ask answer these types of very fundamental questions that really, really helps us develop our faith and make our faith strong, you know, without spirituality, it's very hard to do that. Other, you know, eventually it just becomes, well, we're just practicing these rituals and they don't really have any meaning. The meaning is very often, we, we get that from spirituality. If there is something that you could say to your younger self, what will it be? I would say that I feel like in many ways I am speaking to my younger self because I just remember how important the stories that I heard when I was a child and how it filled my imagination and how much I loved to write stories when I was a child. And my mother was my greatest fan. <laughs> um, and by creating children's stories, I feel like I'm connecting to that, to that younger self and telling, telling her legacy and telling, telling over the things that were important to her and sort of connecting my, my uh, adult self with my young self. We want to talk a little bit more about our personal journey as a family and how uh, we started the process of becoming more religious and connecting to our roots. So let's uh, start at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about how, as a family, we started the process. We were a regular family uh, trying to keep the tradition of sitting around the table on Friday, make sure that we all connected. And we used to be a family of hosting. We host events of artists and poetry and musicians. It was very beautiful, known around. Until one day, a rabbi called us and said, how come you are not inviting us to our program? And I was exposed, I said, that's a great idea. So we went to a seminar of Arachim, and from that point, I believe Shiri had so much to say. So our family went to a, um, a seminar over a weekend, and the rabbis presented a program um, talking about Judaism and God and um, showing just how much, how much there is to offer this Judaism. And um, as a teenager, I was definitely searching for God and searching for meaning. And this really, this really spoke to me. Um, and I think it spoke to my whole family. And we, we made, we'd made the decision as a family to, um, to become more religious, to start to keep Shabbat, to start to keep kosher. There were so many laws to learn. I remember it was very overwhelming. Um, and at some point, uh, this, this organization uh, encouraged me to, uh, to go and study. I was I was uh, in my last year of high school and they encouraged me to go to a seminary to learn in Israel. At first, this, this sounded you know, very exciting um, to, to be able to have the opportunity to learn and to study. Um, somewhere along the line, I think it, it, was very, it became very extreme. 
Um, it was very, it was a very religious seminary, and I didn't, I didn't know at the time that there was many different ways to um, to serve Hashem, and you know, many different ways to be religious. And I was also very young, and I was, you know, very impressionable. And uh, and also, it it create it started to create a big disconnect in my family, a big rift. I know that my mother um, became very scared. She felt like she was losing me. I guess from her perspective, it felt like. You know, a cult came and uh, and took me away. We were so vulnerable. We thought we we're taking a path of uh, a purity, and this is the path of uh, the path of a shame. So we believe it anything until we saw that Shiri started to distance us. We were like uh, becoming outsider, and instead of having unity, we broke apart and. We had nothing to say. There was no like we were not in in a position of being involved. That hurts us. And going to synagogue as a mother while Shiri was involved with the Orthodox extrema, I, I went to synagogue. We were hosted by great rabbi in our town. I was going into the synagogue, looking at the book like all people around. And I felt like it wasn't me. I started to remember my mom that she she actually was not holding any book. She didn't even know how to read, but she was so connected to God, whispering sentence and and remind us when she was running away from the extreme Arab. She whispered the the pasuk. Even though I walk in the, uh, the valley of death, I knew that God is with me. She has such a, a strong belief and trust in Hashem. There was no book there. There is no instruction. It was just her, the inside of her, and the belief that God is next to her. No doubt about this. She was able to run for one year all along the desert with four kids until she got to her destination in Israel. So I was looking for that, actually. I guess I was also, when I came back here from, from learning, I felt very confused. I knew something didn't feel right, but I didn't, I didn't really have the words for it. And then uh, I went to college and I was still very confused. And then I met Oded, um, who's, who's now my husband. Um, and I guess somehow talking to him and he, he wasn't religious at the time and but he was very intrigued and we you know we started to explore Judaism a little bit more together and I guess because he's a much more laid-back person he sort of you know helped redirect the the extreme side and um we got married and we we started out very religious I mean we we were in Muncie and um Odette wore a black hat I wore a shato. Something felt like it was missing for sure. And we didn't have the words to say what it was. Then we went through a whole journey because we, we were not we were not able to get pregnant. That also sort of like pushed us forward to kind of like really articulate, you know, what it is that we wanted from our relationship with God. And then at a certain point, I think that I I realized that just like what um what you were saying, Ima, about about having this like innate connection to spirituality that uh, that it seems like Safta Shula had. And I was really seeking that. Once I sort of began to understand that, it started to become like a theme in everything that I was doing. We were working with a, 
with youth at risk at the time. We were creating programs and many of the kids were saying, you know, we're learning about all the mitzvot in school, but nobody's ever talking to us about God and nobody's talking to us about how to, how to develop our emunah. And I couldn't believe it. You know, these are kids that are going to religious schools or going to yeshivot, they're going to, to Jewish schools and no one's teaching them these like basic fundamental like belief in Hashem and the spiritual like core that we need when we're in difficult situations to, to take us through and, and everything that, you know, it's, it's like the foundation to be able to feel that connection to Hashem if, if somebody doesn't teach you skills for that, then you could do the mitzvot, but why are you doing the mitzvot? And that became like a very big theme. And then when I, when I had my own children, they asked many of those questions too. And I just felt like I needed to give them an answer that spoke to them, that spoke to me. And I started to tell them these stories on Friday night. And I, I, I would say that I think that um, in many ways, this book, was really very healing for our family because I think it really represented um, coming back to our roots and finding the missing ingredient, which we realized comes from our from our culture, comes from our um, our heritage. Um, this you know innate spirituality, this connection to Hashem, that's the foundation of of everything. And without that, it's very hard to really connect to the meaning and the purpose of all the details of the mitzvot um, if you don't have that like basic connection and basic passion and drive for Hashem and so it felt like a like a beautiful closure right um and um and I think it brought peace to our family which was very important I'm very grateful that we had the opportunity and it it also makes me think a lot about um about Saftashulam who I was very connected to. Uh, she passed away when I was 12. And I often think back, you know, to, you know, think about what it would look, you know, what, what she would say. She saw this book. I'm sure that she's, you know, smiling from Shamayim at us um, and knowing that we were able to, you know, to create this together. And, um, and it's part of our family legacy often tell me that um, they love that they heard this story and suddenly now it's on a shelf and other people or other children are reading it and they find it so special that they're able to um, to see that the book you know as you know a story that they just would hear on Friday nights and now it's actually a children's book out there. I want to say one more thing. Oh okay. Actually uh, thinking about uh, my mother that was so powerful and strong and inspiring us by uh, not knowing how to read and write, but she was smart enough to leave a tech recorder telling her story before she died and uh, inspire us. At this point now, we are completing her mission because we are rolling up the story to our grandchildren and to their kid and encouraging every family to go back to your roots, uh, to the grandparents that are still around, asking questions and find the path and the place where they come from. It's so challenging, enriching and beautiful. And actually it's, it, it creates the unity of mm -hmm. families.
So mission is complete. <laughs> no, we're just starting. We're yeah. just starting. <laughs> this concludes our interview. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Uh, this is an incredible program and uh, we're very grateful to be a part of it. Again, my name is Shiri Sher. This is my mother, Gula Vardy. And uh, we wanted to uh, encourage everybody to, uh, to explore their roots and find the parts of them that, uh, that connect to their culture. And I would suggest take away your laptop, your telephone, your TV, and go dig into your background. As long as your grandparents are still around, there is lots of secret stories that you never heard. So expose that and get the fortune of your background. I think that all of the different components of Judaism, we as a, as a people, we have so many different cultures because we, we were spread out, we were exiled. So, you know, we have the Sephardic cultures, the Ashkenazi cultures. I think that each one of them has something absolutely incredible to offer. And I really hope that, um, that we'll be able to respect those cultures, to see the value of each one of those cultures and to see what, uh, what they bring into it. I found myself feeling so complete when I was able to take both Ashkenazi culture and the piece that I felt was missing and incorporate the Sephardic culture, it was just so integrating for me and, and made me feel so whole. And I, I really hope that, that the Jewish people will be able to experience that by being able to respect and honor and, and, and see the value of each different component. I realized just how important it is to go back to your roots, that you know life is this journey of self-discovery. Many times we, we might dress up in different parts of us that we think might be ourselves. Is this me? Is this not me? And eventually, if we do truly want to find ourselves, we end up peeling back of those layers. And ultimately, I found that who I was very much was connected to my roots. And, and when I was able to connect my roots back to what I was doing and what I was working on in the projects, like the children's books, it, was, it just gave me a very, a feeling of, tremendous like wholeness and, and, and completion. And I would encourage everybody to try and, and find the roots and connect to, the, to it in their own way. Like I see, for instance, that my mother, she was able to take something from her tradition and she connected it in her way and I connected it in mine. Um, and both are wonderful. Um, but the key is that we each find the part that connects us individually and that we're able to celebrate together and I really hope that uh, that the Jewish people are able to basically celebrate all the different cultures together and um, and experience you know unity which I'm sure we all we all want thank you for listening reclaiming identity is produced and edited by Moshe singer and executive produced by Dalia Arusi and Dora Arusi our theme music is by Vanessa Paloma. Be sure to check her out on Spotify. Be a part of the reclamation. Subscribe to the Reclaiming Identity podcast on our website, instituteofjewishexperience.org, on our Facebook page, Spotify, or Apple Music. Follow our programs on our website and the Institute of Jewish Experience channel on YouTube. And please help support these and other ASF Institute of Jewish Experience efforts by donating today. Moses Ali.